Welcome. Welcome to the Save by Mother Earth podcast, where we talk about self-connection through spirituality and nature immersion. I'm your host, Heather Webster, and I'm so happy to have you here with us today. Today, I interview Sandy Schwartz. Sandy is the founder and director of the Eco Happiness Project. She's also the author of a parenting book, Finding Eco Happiness, Fun Nature Activities to Help Your Kids Feel Happier and Calmer. And she has others publications as well. Her mission is to inspire and educate families to build a nature habit to feel happier and calmer. Her work has been featured in the Washington Post, National Geographic, Library Journal, Yahoo, Good Housekeeping, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Scary Mommy, and more. There is so much insight and wisdom that she gets to share with us through this episode. So I am going to turn it right over to the interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Welcome, Sandy. Welcome to the Save by Mother Earth podcast. I'm so excited you're here today. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me. So one of the things um, we oh, I always do first is kind of say, like, what is your story? What is your connection to this idea around self-connection, either through spirituality or through nature? Well, interestingly enough, I think I was just put on this planet to have a connection to nature, just who I am, even though I wasn't necessarily raised that way. In fact, my father um, is a chemical engineer. And so when I said, Hey, I'm going off to college to study, you know, how to put your company out of business. Um, he was, uh, you know, okay, am I going to fund that education? But you know, it all works out and he's very proud of me now. But, um, I, my, my story really begins when in high school, I think it was 10th grade. I cleaned up a local dirty polluted river in my home state of New Jersey with uh, the group called Nature Defense, which was the high school you know, environmental club. And I did that and it just really opened my eyes and so much so that I wrote my college essay on it. And I went on to be an environmental studies major and got a master's in government with environmental policy. And, and have ever since have been, you know, as my license plate says, eco girl. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's just who I, I am because, uh, you know, like I said, it wasn't necessarily something my parents raised me as. Yeah. And so what are you doing now with the education, but also just that love? Like what? Yeah. So the way my story went is I was um, in, I went to college and graduate school in Washington, DC. And for a long time, I thought I would be an environmental lawyer. And that didn't quite pan out once I tasted what a, a legal position was. Uh, fortunately, I, I went to uh, George Washington University. And so I was in the center of the city and had some amazing internships. You know, I did Capitol Hill. But my senior year, I worked for uh, a lawyer and I was just like, yeah, I don't think this is really me. <laughs> so I went down the path of environmental and science communications. And lo and behold, you know, now I'm a writer. And so it kind of, you know, the path worked out and I had, even in college, you know, I started out with the, the hard science classes, the hard, you know, hard sciences and wasn't quite me. So I chose the, the lighter science path. And, and really ultimately I feel like I'm in the business of public understanding of science. 
And I did that for a while. And then things shifted even a little bit more, more clearly for me when, um, I went through infertility treatments and, and had postpartum anxiety, which I didn't realize what it was until probably years later. Um, and I had always been a stressed out kid looking back. I had a lot of somatic, you know, issues, you know, headaches, chest pains, all these things. And so as, as I, once I was a mom and I was having these issues, I was like, oh, you know, I got to deal with this because I want to be able to take care of my kids. Mm-hmm. And so I went down this big like path of researching, um, how can I feel happier and calmer, but like more naturally, not just pill popping, you know? So <laughs> I, I learned about positive psychology and that involves things like gratitude, practice, mindfulness, feeling the sense of all around nature. Yeah. All these wonderful aspects that, that, um, was very new in psychology, you know, instead of just sitting there and dwelling on all the past issues, this was more like, let's, what can we do positive in our day? So I, I uh, launched a blog about seven years ago called happy science mom, where I, I wrote all about these issues, but ultimately I came back to my roots and I said, I really just want to hone in on nature the environment and the positive psychology. So that's how eco happiness project was born. And this concept of how can nature help us feel happier and calmer. So that's where I am today, really honing in on that piece. Yes. Okay. So I love so much of what you said. Um, eco girl just makes me so happy, um, for a license plate, but I like this idea of like public understanding of science, because I think a lot of people want to know the science around why things are good for you. Right. And, and also understand like you and I can go out in the woods and know how we feel. And the science is great. Like I, the other night I was showing books on like some of my favorite books on the science behind nature. Right. And, but others want to know, okay, this is the science and that's why I'm going to go outside versus us. We go outside then we might learn the science behind it. Um, and so I love this idea of this public understanding of science and just in any realm, right. Of just like, there's all this stuff that's happening when you're out in nature, out in the woods, out in the, at the ocean that's happening within your body. And this idea around positive psychology, I think if only more people could grasp onto that. Yes. I mean, and that's what I've really dedicated my life's purpose to now. And like, it, it's so incredible that I found that, you know, kind of found it for myself, but then I want to share it. And you know, I kind of joke, but it's really true. And I wish this was the handbook, you know, a handbook of all this information, you know, that my parents had for me. Cause you know, when I was struggling, I, what, you know, they didn't know what to do. And, you know, fortunately my kids don't seem to have those same issues and maybe because I'm more attuned to it, like as soon as I notice them getting stressed, I'm like, okay, like, you know, we deal with it, but, and who knows, you know, sometimes this, uh, those feelings do come later. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I do believe some of it was probably the hormonal changes that I went through as well. Um, but, but yeah, pu- for me, the public understanding of science, and I had worked at the national Academy of sciences when I really learned about that. And, and I was involved with, um, both like the peer review of these giant, you know, science (laughs) documents that, you know, all these experts put together my job with, um, you know, the communications team was to boil it down to like bullet points and a two page, you know, handout, because that's what people, especially now it's even gotten worse. I mean, that was 
20 years ago or so now it's like tweets, right? <laughs> so you really have to get that message. And that's why like my tagline is, you know, how nature helps you feel happier and calmer. You know, that's it. Like, I don't even have to say stress reduction and anxiety and depression and all that. It's, it's like, you know, it's just simple, you know, you want to feel happier. You want to feel calmer. Hey, head outside, look at a tree, go for a bike ride. There's so many things you can do. Yes. And it's, it's accessible to everybody. So even if they're in the city, you can, you can find trees in the city, right. And it might need just, or you go to a local park, it's accessible to everybody. You don't have to live in the woods or take a ride to the mountains. You can access that happiness wherever you are, even if you're inside and you're stuck inside for some reason, finding a house plant or mm-hmm. finding some way to reconnect to the senses and all of that as well. Yeah. And I really have loved the, the fact that there are studies now. I mean, that's, what's so fascinating about this, this niche is that the science is like new. Um, but you know, it's been around a few decades, but it's still fresh and it, it just sort of tells us exactly what we, we knew instinctively all along, you right? Know, like, you know, ask people, where's their favorite vacation is it's usually the beach <laughs> or the mountains. And, and why is that, you know, they're, they're escaping, the technology and being inside all day. And, and now the science is there to prove it. You know, the, the colors green and blue are more soothing. They just mm-hmm. are, you know, um, it's more soothing to look at greenery, green space, flowers, the sky, than it is to look at the brick building. Right. And the tests, you know, it's out there. And in fact, they even have like the cortisol, you know, they, they, they test cortisol levels to see like the stress redu- reduction. And, and that to me is incredible. Yes. And it's, what's so neat is it's this, like you said, it's been around forever. We all know it. People in other countries like Japan who have been doing Shinrin Roku and those kind of things, right. It's been around for so long. And now that science is there to show why and how. Um, which is fascinating in itself too. And I think it also helps get more people on board and it also helps the funding <laughs> when we're talking yes. about, you need the science uh-huh. to get the, the money and the funding to keep things going. And kind of have it spread in institutions such as schools, um, companies, you know, and, and they'll, they'll want to invest because they have, right. Like this data that proves, Oh, this actually works. You know, my yes. employees will feel, feel better if they can have a space outside to eat their lunch every day. Yeah. My best ideas, whether I'm, it's work, whether it's my other job or this job, or just in general come when I'm outside or if I'm going for a walk, right. It's like, mm-hmm. I do so much better. And I think most people do when they're out walking or if they're exposed to something that's like, even when you're, we've talked about this on my podcast before, like even a shower when you're surrounded by water, right? Mm -hmm. That's when the ideas come or when you're out for a walk, it's like when you're doing that movement and you're out surrounded by kind of the world, it brings about so much more. Oh my gosh. As a writer, I think I've written all of my articles and blog posts either in the shower on a bike or on a walk, like sitting at the computer is when I do the work, but that's not where the ideas, when the ideas come to me, that's for sure. I was joking with somebody else that I was interviewing about that. I want to get those. um, I know you can get like notepads that are waterproof, but I want to get those crayons that are for kids that are that you can use in the shower or the bathtub for them to draw. So I can write my ideas that I have. 
That's on the walls. You know, my, my thing is always, if an idea comes to me, I just email myself. So I would have to like, hold on to it until I'm out of the shower, but I get to my phone, which is usually on the counter and Hey, don't forget this. This is a great title. You know, you're right. So yeah. So I was like, if I have the crayons, I can write it down and it's out of my brain and I can stay present with what I'm doing. <laughs> so, Right. And you know, again, that there is the science, the research shows how effective it is for kids, you know, you know, with their creativity and um, ability to focus and, and not just kids, um, adults too. Um, I've written some articles on like how to improve your work day and your workspace by adding nature and nature breaks to it because yeah, it, nature boosts your product productivity, your creativity, um, gives you inspiration. So, uh, and it, you know, yeah, it calms you down. If you're stressed, you're not going to be, you know, as productive. So it really right. is fascinating. That's it's yeah, it's amazing. I, I just want to get outside right now. So I'm like, <laughs> That's all I'm thinking about. It's rainy and cold right now up in New Hampshire. So it's not going to happen, but it's, uh, there's something about being able to get out whenever you can and taking those deep breaths. What kind of tips do you have for the listeners that they could do to kind of help support that happiness, self-connection, self-confidence and things like that for getting outside in nature? So my big message is all about how to build a nature habit. And this can come in so many shapes and, you know, forms, and and it's really all about what you, you know, cater to you. Um, Like I'm looking at our backgrounds. I have um, like nature in my background and you have nature, you have turtles and I have like twigs and flowers. And so even having that decor inside, you know, maybe someone who's really into, um, you know, home decorating, they can use that, you know, skill to bring nature all around them, even indoors. But, you know, I always say, start with what you already love and then build your nature habit around that. So if you're already an athlete, you know, make sure you're making more time to get outside or join a team or, you know, uh, expand that bike the biking that you do, if you're an artist, um, you know, whatever that may be. So for example, if you're a painter, you know, I actually do uh, paint watercolor. And so my whole thing for the last few years is I'll go out on nature walks or if I'm, I'm on vacation and I'm visiting, you know, a beautiful botanical garden or rose garden or whatever it is, I'll take these photographs of it. So now I have a collection of all these just beautiful nature pictures. And eventually sometimes, you know, I'll sit down and I'll, I'll paint them. So, you know, if you're already a painter or a drawer or a sculptor, you know, instead of maybe making people <laughs> or buildings um, or abstract, maybe um, think about incorporating nature into that experience. It'll also, you know, connect you to the outdoors more. So that's, that's my big tip is really like, start with what you love. Oh, another one. A lot of people love to cook. Well, get involved with a garden, whether it's growing herbs on a balcony, you know, getting your hands dirty and making a big garden in your backyard, or if you don't have the space or, or that, you know, the ability to do that, you could um, get involved with like a community garden where you can rent like a little section, or you can volunteer at a local farm and, you know, so there's lots of ways that you can build that nature habit based on what you already are doing. Yes. And I, I love that. I wrote that down, building a nature habit. Cause it's so, 
so powerful to when you do that, when you make time for it to happen on a regular basis. And again, going back to the research, there's so much research showing that playing in the dirt is amazing for not only happiness, but your immune system. Yes. The soil, the bacteria in the soil, they they've proven that it, yeah, it actually like lowers cortisol. It relaxes you, you know, so you know, don't go out and eat the dirt, but growing your own food and maybe not, you know, being so obsessive about making, making sure it's pristine when you wash it, you know, it, it, having the natural, um, bacteria actually helps us. And our, our gut is connected to our brain health. So, um, I really dug into that recently and, and that, that science, I mean, it's still, um, still discoveries going on, but they've already really showed that link. In fact, they're, I think they're actually working on a medication that would, would help with anxiety based on that bacteria and soil. So nature, you know, shows us and has the answers has and it's, the it, solutions. It's interesting now, cause I'm starting to see more medications that are coming out that might be over the counter are starting to mention some of the more natural elements that are in them. Right. Cause a lot of people don't realize like things like aspirin started from willow. Right. And, or, cause it has that, like the same chemical and they use that chemical to then figure out how to make aspirin from the willow branches or the willow tree. And you're starting to see more and more things that are starting to state the more natural things that are in plants, but people are still so scared to be like, that they don't think like, oh, there's no science behind that. But a lot of the medicines actually came from plants originally. Sure. Yes. Right. That's and it's like, and it's, it's, well, and I think about it when I used to work with children, I remember there was a time where we were talking about fruit and they're like, well, you get it at the grocery store. And I started talking to them about how it grew on trees and things like mm-hmm. that. And they're like, no, it doesn't grow on a tree. It comes from the grocery store. And this idea of that separation, because these, this was an inner city school and they're mm-hmm. preschoolers. And so they only knew that when they go to the store, that's where they buy that fruit, whatever it is. And so it's so powerful when you can start connecting things back. Right. And so what we did with the kids was we started making sure we were gardening with them. We created a whole garden at the school so we could start teaching them a little bit about where does your food come from? Because I think there's this fear of, Oh, the first time you're going to go out and have like a wild cranberry or Mm. wild blueberries, things like that, that I can find on the mountaintops here in New Hampshire. Like, and I can go and find wild blueberries and have them and things like that. But yet sometimes I think people get a little bit nervous. It's like, well, I'll buy wild blueberries at the store, but I might not have them in nature. And it's like this interesting disconnect, Mm -hmm. like what you're talking about. I think that's starting to kind of evolve and come back together. And I think, yes, there are definitely, there's a lot of fear around nature, um, snakes and bears and tigers, oh my, and all that. But what's interesting is there are a lot of opportunities. If you aren't, if you're nervous to just pick the wild berries, which, you know, I can understand. Understandably. Yeah. You know, something we do every summer, we go up to New Jersey, there's a beach there and everything, but nearby they have, believe it or not, New Jersey is like the blueberry capital of the world cranberry and blueberry. Yeah. They have a lot of farms you wouldn't expect, but every summer we go to this farm and pick blueberries and it is amazing. And they're so fresh and they're so, you know, and, and they don't use pesticides. And so you don't even have to wash them. 
and yeah, it gives us all this sense of, you know, we, we labored for it, you know, we, there was sweat and, and then, you know, we were able to just, you know, it's so fresh, it's so much better than the store. And it gives you that experience of connecting and being outside and the gorgeous colors and smells. So yeah, I would say seek out these opportunities, you know, in a way that you're comfortable. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you're going to go, don't go foraging without having education, right? Like right. you want to know what you're picking. You want to know, you always go. So I, as a disclaimer to all of you listening, like if you are wanting to learn about foraging more, there's so many things out there, but always go with the, an, somebody who has an education in foraging the first time. Um, there's now a new game. I have to look into it because I think it would be great for my niece and nephew. And it's all about, um, you move along the board, but you get cards that are identification cards for plants that are, and what they're good for. Interesting. So I'll fi- try to find it and send it to you and I can link it in the show notes as well. Cause it looked like a really neat game of like starting to get people kind of connected to what they're seeing. Hmm. And the other thing, like when I'm doing mindful outdoor guide co- coaching and stuff like that, you don't, don't always feel like you have to identify, right? Like it's so okay. The beauty. Yeah. And which is, what it smells like, what it touch, feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of exactly what you're talking about. Those tips of just being there. Yeah. It's interesting. You brought back a memory I haven't had in a long time about, I grew up going to, in the summers, going to a swim club. And on the edge of the swim club behind, like where the, the deep end uh, with the, uh, the diving boards and everything, there was honeysuckle. <gasps> and we used to stand there as little kids and smell them and then even taste them and put the little bit of nectar on our tongues. And it was like, oh, wow. I haven't thought about that in so long. <laughs> I love honeysuckle. I grew up with some of it in my yard. Um, and I remember my dad loving it. And yeah, it's just got that amazing smell and right. It brings back when you were sharing that story, all of you at home can't see Sandy's face right now, but (laughs) you could probably hear it in how she was telling the story. Like you could tell that was like a memory and the idea of like one flower, right. Thinking of one flower brings back all that joy from so long ago and being able to realize like when I go outside and see trees, it brings back the joy of me climbing trees when I was a kid. Mm. And like, that's what gets stimulated. So it's no wonder that cortisol goes down. Right. And that, which always makes me like, this is something I've been thinking about recently. And I feel like I need to dive into it more. This whole idea of back in the day, right. When we were running from tigers and bears, and snakes. <laughs> I love snakes. Um, right. It was like our cortisol levels were high when we were outside because we were always on alert. And then well, we were outside all the time though, too. Right. Just but, like always outside. So. And if we went into shelter, like a cave or something, that was probably more like where we felt more calm. Mm. So there's probably that release. And now I feel like it's, comp- and this is just me speculating. I can't ever go back and talk to a caveman or even talk to people back in the day when they, if they had like other homes or built shelters, but it's interesting now, I feel like our cortisol levels are higher inside than outside because of social media and the news and work. So it kind of fascinates me to think about that idea of, 
it's almost feels like it could have switched. And now we're using nature as a way to calm our cortisol. Now we're still on alert. Like when I'm backpacking in the woods, mm. I'm still on alert, but I'm not fearful. But that's because right. I also know how to kind of, I've, I've done it enough. I know people that do go into the woods that sometimes do feel fearful as it's their new t- first time, but it just gets me thinking. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, part of the reason inside has, has caused so many issues now why we crave being outside, even though a lot of people aren't acting on that, you know, instinct is just the, the overstimulation, like you said, you know, the technology and the sounds and, and yeah, there's a whole theory called uh, attention restoration theory, which basically is all about how nature, like our attention is just different when we're outside. Cause it's like, we can know, like our it's visually, you know, there's the colors, everything's so much more soothing and we need that break from all that other stimulation that we're getting at work and indoors and, and the kids on the, you know, on the uh, video games all the time. It's just not natural. Like, oh my gosh, Minecraft. Uh, thank goodness. My kids are sort of over that phase, but I would watch them play and I would get so dizzy and kind of nauseous because it's, you know, it's this cartoon world and it's, um, it's cool that it's 3d, but it doesn't make you feel good. (laughs) Not like if you're walking outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I appreciate that. And I want to look up the attention restoration theory and learn more about that. Cause I think that's, it goes along with Richard Love's book about um, nature deficit. Yeah. Yeah. I have these. So yeah. And then recently I read the nature principle. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just, it's interesting to see, it's just good to see this, the stuff's coming out for people. Right. And so people can start learning about it. And like when you and I are talking on podcasts and right to really get the word out. So speaking of the word, where do my (laughs) listeners find you? And I know you have a new book coming out in March. Do you want to share about that as well? Yeah. So, you know, I was inspired by, by great writers like Richard Louvre and, and his books and, and also Gretchen Rubin, um, the, the happiness project. Yeah. So again, she was like a lot about the positive psychology, Richard's the whole nature, and I kind of put it together and that's where I'm focusing on. And so my, my book's called finding eco happiness fun nature activities to help your kids feel happier and calmer and everything we were talking about. I dive, you know, much more deeply into, I start with the whole idea of why is nature so healing and I'll, and I'll put in that science, but in a way that's accessible to everyone and, and give examples of, of how to really like, you know, connect to nature in, in an easy way as a family. And then I go through all the different chapters kind of mimic a lot of positive psychology So I have one on gratitude and awe and another chapter on mindfulness, one on creative arts. And then of course I have to touch on a whole chapter on animals and food. And that's where we talk a lot about gardening um, and and actually different foods that are healing and known to calm us down. So it was so, you know, an amazing experience to do all this research, um, to put this all together and and I loved it because I really got to talk to so many of the, the experts and practitioners that are on the ground doing this work and then pull it all together. Like nobody's done that yet. So um, I'm excited for, to share this with everyone. And there's tons of activities. I have um, nature activity checklists at the end of each chapter. So you can challenge yourself to do as many 
uh, as you want. And um, oh, I also have, if you're not sure how to build a Nietzsche um, habit or for you or your kids, you know, where to start, I have a free quiz okay. on my website and that's at ecohappinessproject.com. It's right on the homepage and you fill out 10 questions and then you'll get an email with kind of says like, you're the creative one or the mindful one or the green exercise, you know, out, uh, person. And then you'll get a whole list of, of activities to try based on your interests. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. And her book, uh, Sandy's books coming out in March. This is, um, airing in February. Uh, so if you are watching this before it comes out, you can get on her wait list or can yeah, you can pre-order order it, pre-order, pre-order okay. it. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I can't forget is if you do have kids, I have a children's book coming out as well that, that is called Sky's Search for Eco Happiness. And it takes place on the beach. And it's really cool because it'll it'll help kids really understand what it means to find eco happiness and feel better with nature. I love that you're integrating children in as well as adults and this idea of having activities because a lot of times you read the books and then you might forget about what you read about, but the activities mm-hmm. sound like they're gonna really help integrate what you talked about so they can almost like, here's an activity you can do that aligns with what you just read about. Exactly. And what you like, I mean, you talked about water and showers and, um, I I throw in there about float therapy because even though that's an indoor, I mean, you can do it outside, but I, you know, I did float therapy inside, you know, to me, water is nature. Um, even if it's, that's a very human made environment, it's still just like, the, it's so incredible and so relaxing to be floating on this like salt water, you know, for an hour in the dark. It, it's unbelievable. So I highly recommend that. <laughs> That's a great thing for, for stressed out women to, to do. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> it's like a massage. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'll have to find a place to do that. <laughs> yeah. They, there's a lot more places, um, float therapy centers. So That's great. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your tips and Definitely for anybody listening, get out there and check her out, find her website. It will be linked in the show notes along with a link for pre-ordering her book, um, which will probably be the link from her website um, for pre-ordering and take that quiz. Uh, see, see what works for you and see what you come, what comes back for you. Uh, Sandy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Heather. Sandy. Thank you so much for being on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. Your insight and wisdom around nature and self-connection was so valuable. To all the listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. And I wanted to let you know that I have a few things that are going on right now. I have a women's circle that happens weekly through my Facebook group, which you can find the link in the show notes. And I also have a nature oracle where I pull a card every Friday morning at 8 a.m. And so feel free to tune into either of those offers and have some time for self-connection. Until next time, I send off with love. Have a great rest of your day.